Hello and welcome to the Paranormalist Podcast. As always, I am your host, Kenny Dodson, and I am on with the Paranormalist, Patty Wilson. Patty, how you doing? I'm doing okay. How are you guys doing? Who? Me and... And your family. Me and these people yes. <laughs> in the room with me? No, you and your family. The, this is being recorded while we're all under quarantine. And Well, when you said that, you know what I thought? What? I thought, is she near me oh. right now? <laughs> <laughs> like, do you no, see her? I just met you and your family. <laughs> okay. How are you all doing? Uh, we're just going. You know, we got Disney Plus for the girls and all that stuff. So I've seen Frozen 2 about 1,600 times at this point. <laughs> and just well, plugging along. I mean, doing, you know, obviously, since I was a stay-at-home before this whole debacle, uh, I mean, I've been doing the podcast just like I've been doing for months. So nothing's really changed all that much for me you hanging in there nobody's sick everybody's good oh nobody's sick okay good um first order of business we have is uh our new patron that's right you let me know last night we have a new paranormalist and patron normalist patron normalist excuse (laughs) me you're the paranormalist well they can all be paranormalists with me i don't care they very well might be a paranormalist i don't know Um, and what is our new uh patron normalist's name uh, it is Nason Rojas. Nason, thank you so, so much for doing this. Uh, it, we just, you have our gratitude because, you know, during a, a pandemic, like what's going on now, you, uh, you liked us enough to go ahead and support our show. And we really appreciate that. That's right. And all of our uh, patronomalists are helping us to keep on the air, to advertise and get things, you know, going and to help us with new equipment when we needed things to make the show better and um, stronger. And we appreciate every single one of you. Yeah, Thank you. At, at our growing phase currently, the help with the Facebook ads has been ginormous because yes. that's something I don't have to pay as much. <laughs> so we really appreciate you guys. And, and hopefully... Um, we might be announcing some things uh, coming up. Anyway, uh, on to what we're talking about. So we're talking about uh, wedgie boards, right? Ouija boards. Oh, not wedgie. <laughs> you yeah. know, I, I've always wondered if it's uh, if it's actually a Ouija or if it's just plain Ouija and I should not think about it. No, actually, it is um, French for, for we and Ja for... Um, the German for yes. So it's yes, yes board. And, um, you know, that's that's the popular uh, belief as, ha- as to how it got named in its current form. But, of course, the boards existed for m- forever, but just under different names, spirit boards. Um, it was a, a form of divination during the times of Christ and the pharaohs. Um, but its current incarnation um, came from two brothers by the name of Fold, F O U L. F-O-U-L-D, I believe it is. And um, they created them in their shop and sold them. They ended up making a fortune because they took off during the spiritualist um, movement of the late 1800s and, um, you know, into the 1900s. And uh, so they just became exceedingly popular. It was pretty much, you know, an every night parlor game for a lot of people. And they were trying to reach out to find out what happened to loved ones, particularly after the Civil War. And then the board became so popular that eventually it was sold. And I believe it's Parker Brothers who has it now. Yeah, but they, I mean, obviously the the gaming companies were like, oh, well, I mean, this is just a game. 
Like they didn't think about any of the ramifications. I guarantee it about what. No, could I'm happen. sure not. And I think a lot of people don't period. Like I see a lot of stuff on Instagram uh, about people, you know, playing with Ouija boards and all that stuff. And they, they talk about it like it's kind of a, like it is a game. Right. And, and that bugs me <laughs> a lot. And I have to tell you that like in England, they use them as a ghost hunting tool mm -hmm. and they have a different perspective on them. And I don't know if that's one of the reasons I don't seem to have as much trouble with them as we do in the United States. But, um, definitely there are a great many negative stories in the United States about the Ouija boards and we could get into the history and maybe one night we'll do a more in-depth study of the history. But throughout the spiritualist movement, there were great stories, you know, stories of, um, the, People who had books dictated to them from, you know, people from the 1700s and um, people who gave information about dead relatives and what have you. But then there were also a lot of other stories. And of course, um, they kind of fell casually out of play, if you will. They were not ever out of publication. They've always been fairly popular, but they, they weren't in the public eye for quite a long time, like they are again today. And um, during that period of time, like I said, the Fold Brothers sold the place, the, the games to Park, to uh, Parker Brothers. And um, it just became marketed as a regular game and nobody thought anything about it. And I think probably the, the incarnation of it that we know the best started with um, the movie The Exorcist because the the real little boy it was the stories in the movies about a girl, but in reality it was a little boy. Uh, um, he had played the Ouija board with his aunt and after his aunt dies, um, a lot of things happen and they attribute it to a doorway that was opened while he and the aunt were playing the game prior to her death. So that's the first real, um, case, if you will, of, Ouija boards becoming demonic in modern literature or modern storytelling, but it's certainly not the last. In fact, um, I would like to focus on a few cases and just sort of talk a little bit about it and we can discuss the pros and the cons and what have you. And maybe it's the anticipation of it, sort of like, um, you know, we've talked about tulpas where you, you create something because you believe it. Mm -hmm. Maybe because in the United States, we do believe it's opening a door to the demonic. The demonic reaches out and, and just takes advantage of that. I'm not sure. But um, certainly there have been some pretty hellacious stories. And some of them long before everybody was talking about it like we do today. Uh, one of the more interesting ones that made national headlines was actually by the Warrens. And this took place in the early 1970s, so not too long after um, the Exorcist movie came out. And uh, the story is about a family called the Donovan family. This is a fascinating case history. The Donovans were just kind of an average family. Uh, mother, father, uh, two children, a teenage girl named Patty, um, and a younger brother named Brian, and Tom and his wife. And they suddenly were inundated with all kinds of bizarre things happening. Um, the house just suddenly became insane. The family would hear pounding inside of the walls. The wallpaper began to peel itself off the walls. Um, bloody looking red water would pour out of the faucets. They would hear beastly growling all through the house. Um, 
it, it's just got insane. The, the rocks would fall on the roof of the house and not just like a couple pebbles. I'm talking rocks would fall for an hour at a time. They would call the police at times they called their priest. Everybody came and watched it. And some of the rocks were hit so hard they embedded in the roof and there was nothing anybody could do about it. I mean, what is the police going to do with the rocks that are materializing out of nowhere? Some of the rocks would embed in the roof. Some of them would disappear as soon as they landed at the feet of people. And they, they just couldn't explain it. I mean, the rock was there. It, they saw it. It hit the ground. It made the thud and then just disappeared. Didn't melt. It just disappeared. So this went on for, um, you know, for days and days. And um, Tom one day got up and found the spark plug wires for his car had been pulled during the night and, you know, matted together or woven together. Um, uh, other times they, uh, they disabled Patty's car and um, same thing, pulled the wires off or the hoses off or what have you. And there was no explanation for it. They would be woven together in bizarre patterns and things of that nature. Eventually, the family called their priest and talked to their priest about it. And um, there wasn't a whole lot they could do. Now, the property actually bordered a monastery. So as this is getting worse and worse and nobody seems to be able to help them, the cops have kind of washed their hands of it because they frankly got no clue what they're going to do about this. Um, Tom walks over to the um, to one of the monks who happens to be out in, in the monastery grounds. And he says, sir, can I talk to you? He explains everything that's going on. And he's like, I, I don't know what to do. This is just horrendous. Every day is this way. Furniture was floating. Sometimes it would launch itself at them or it would hover and then throw itself against the walls. The house was just trashed. They had gone to a hotel a couple nights because they were trying to get a little peace and some sleep. It followed them there. And when they came back, it looked like every fluid in the house, shampoos, soaps, um, laundry soap, perfume, anything had just been drenched into the furniture and the carpeting in copious amounts. And something had stuffed towels down the commode. At one point, Tom goes and gets a, um, statue of St. Anne and places it in the house. Things got immediately worse. A lot of pounding and thumping and things levitating. He's trying to figure out what's going on. He comes back to the room where the, the little figurine is. She's gone and they find her beside the commode and she will move multiple times throughout the series of events. So eventually somebody comes to them and says, you should talk to the Warrens. And they get a phone number for the Warrens. They call the Warrens. The Warrens hear what they have to say. They say, you know, we're um, on our way to California. We're sorry, but we've got another case out there. We'll be back in a few days. They come back. They check the case out. And um, while they're there, things are levitating. Things are slamming into the walls. Um, just insane stuff. The rocks start falling again outside the house and they go out and they're watching this. So it wasn't, um, a one, one and done type of thing. This was going on almost every single day. They, this family was under siege. There's no other word for it. And the Warrens unfortunately had another commitment they had to complete. They left a priest named father Jason with the family 
Father Jason would report that he had all the same experiences, furniture levitating things, throwing themselves at him. Um, at one point, his rosary beads, which are usually considered something that only very, very powerful demonic entities can touch, actually launched themselves down the hallway, turned a corner, flew past him and wrapped themselves around a chair and held the chair in the air almost like somebody was being strangled. So it was being held up by the rosary beads. Um, he was battered. He was belittled. Ed Warren, when he comes back, he um, is attacked and some things are thrown at him and it cuts a gash that looks like a cross in his arm. So it's a really bad situation. And and the house is trashed on multiple occasions. There's holes in the walls. There's um, you know, marks all over the, the walls, the ceiling, the carpeting, the, the furniture is damaged. It was an awful mess. So they, along with um, Father Jason, apply for an exorcism. And the exorcism is granted as an immediate emergency, which should tell you the level of activity because usually exorcisms require a great deal of time and, you know, from the church and a lot of validation. And, um, at that point, with his wife, Lorraine, and Ed was, would say to the priests that he believed that there were um, there was an incubus there, that there was um, a devil, is what he called it, and low-level entities as well. Now, why this is all going on, you know, Ed starts looking at what's happening in the family. Did somebody just die? Did you guys just pick up some old furniture somewhere? Did, and none of this stuff has happened. And finally, he says, did anybody ever use a Ouija board? And the teenage girl, Patty, says, yeah, I did. Um, she's very matter of fact about it. And then she tells them that she's been using it for approximately a year, that she met another boy, um, teenage boy, on the board. And that this male figure who would not give her his name um, told her things about herself that were true from the past and predicted her future, including the name of the person she would marry, that she would have three children, um, their sex, things like this. So some of it was validated already and some of it would eventually end up being validated because the stuff he did tell her would eventually come true. Well, anyhow, excuse me. Um, she's not as contrite as one would think about bringing all this down on her family. Um, sometimes she's actually defensive. This, you know, this isn't my fault and what's it matter? He's a nice, he was a nice kid and I'm lonely and blah. You know, she was just very defensive about it. Ed recognized that she was either under demonic influence or was about to be possessed or was possessed. So this becomes the focus when the exorcists come in. And um, they ask her, you know, if she played with the Ouija board, she says, yeah, but she's very defiant about it at points. And they ask her the name of the young man. And she says, I don't know. And they begin, you know, prepping for this work. Now, meanwhile, things are getting even worse. At one point, there were the doorbells got ripped out, the lights on, on, wired themselves and would lay themselves on the uh, counters. There was a six foot iron pole, cast iron pole or pipe on the roof that bent itself at a 90 degree angle. This was getting even worse. 
if it's imaginable to even do that. So um, they, they for the exorcism came, they began the exorcism and um, through the course of the exorcism, things, you know, are moving, objects are flinging itself at the priests, at the Warrens, at the, at the Donovan family. Um, they're literally dodging objects, um, including big pieces of furniture. At one point, two dressers pin, um, pin Ed Warren, um, in a room, in a bedroom. At another point, two chairs fly out of the kitchen and pin him against a wall. Um, and this is all in full view of everybody. Everybody attested to it, including the Donovan's, um, they had their, um, the Don Tom Donovan's brother attended as well. And um, there's a moment where there's this lull and there's this pink mark that suddenly appears on the floor where something had gone down and hit the ground and it kind of exploded into nothingness and a pink mark is on the floor. And the priests say that this is the mark of surrender, that they are about to um, end this exorcism. And they continue on and finish the exorcism and the family goes about um, repairing the house and living their life. By the way, the insurance company refused to cover any of the damages because it, they said since it was demonically inspired, they would not be able to pay for an act of God. Mm -hmm. And um, it That's took my them, favorite because none, yeah. of, none of those CEOs believe in God probably. <laughs> you know, but, <laughs> that's, um, that's why I hate did, that. They did fix the house up again and everything got quiet. And it stayed that way for the rest of their lives. They lived in the house. Um, Patty did grow up. She did get married. She did have three children, exactly the sex that the, that this entity had predicted. And um, life just went on for them. But it is one of the worst cases of demonic infestation brought on by the use of a Ouija board that I have ever seen. What year was that? It would be the early 1970s. Okay. Um, wow, there was a lot. So, uh, Go ahead. uh, so St. Anne, what's St. Anne represent? I am not a Catholic, so I really don't know. Okay. I just know that, that, uh, that he felt that she would be a protective figure in the home. And, um, so that he went and got a uh, statue of her and brought her into the house. And then she just, it was moved around throughout the house at will. Just kind of a. Yeah, taunting thing. Yeah, a lot of the activity was taunting. Um, they fled the house on two different occasions, the first time being the hotel. The second time was while they were waiting for the exorcism. Um, they fled the house and moved in with one of their parents, thinking that this would help. But it followed them to the hotel, and it followed them to the parents' house. And it threw furniture at the parents' house and caused all kinds of damage as well. And then when they got back to their home, they found it a second time trashed with the fluids everywhere and all that. And on this occasion, it looked like something had picked up the refrigerator and shook it out like it was a box, mm. like tipped it on its side and shook it out. All of the food was laying on the floor rotting. And on top of it were all the smashed dishes, almost as if it was just having fun destroying everything. So whatever this girl opened, mm -hmm. um, wherever it goes to. So uh, that does confuse me a little bit when you do like some sort of uh, Ouija and, you know, sometimes spirits come through, mm -hmm. but then sometimes demonics can come through. So is there like a, 
like a middle area where they can each come through the portal or do portals just open wherever and they come through from there a portal is indiscriminate so both could come through there yeah it's like Um, anybody can access the portal then okay The, the best analogy i've always used was suppose you just um you just left your door open. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally left your door open and you're sitting in the middle of a city and you're like, anybody that wants to come in, come in. You're going to get some nice people. You're going to get some wacky people and you're definitely going to get some bad people. Right. And so it's the same way with the Ouija board. You're opening a door and you're just letting anything come through. What made this one particularly onerous is that there must have been a sexual component to it because um, Ed identified an incubus as one of the entities that was there and then a demon and whatever it was was strong enough to be able to move the holy relics um and to uh vandalize them in some respects to you know to move the statue of saint anne and put it beside the commode multiple times to take the the rosary beads and fling them you know, through the house and chase the, you know, priest with them and then wrap the chair and hang the chair in midair. Right. That takes some power. Yeah. And she was talking to it like it was a person. Yes. Which is always kind of a giveaway to have that much energy to be able to do that because ghosts just can't sustain conversations. Well, this had been going on apparently for an entire year without her parents' knowledge. Whoa. And, um... It had um, become very strong over the course of that time. Feeding off of them or whatever. Feeding off of her. And um, she had become at least emotionally attached because it presented itself as a teenage boy approximately her age. And it liked her. And you can see where the start of the sexual components came in. Now, whether it went further than that, I don't know, because the Warrens would write about this case. But... They were very um, circumspect with their um, more salacious details of their cases as a general rule. So the biggest indicator in the case history is the fact that Ed was convinced there was an incubus. Now, an incubus is the male, the, the male version of the sexual demon. A succubus would be a female version. So whatever this was, was a male entity, and it was attempting some form of attachment intercourse something with this young woman um whether it had progressed that far or not it is really difficult to say from the notes Mm -hmm. that you see so what's a devil why do you just describe it as that well we've talked before about there being like low level and higher levels right Okay, um, so the, some of the lower ones are kind of like imps and stuff like that. And when you come up to the to the point where you're coming up to from to demons and then to devils, which are the highest power, most powerful um, amongst them. So he was saying it was exceedingly powerful. Mm. So like a big wig. Yeah. Okay. And he said there were lower level things as well. So, and that makes perfect sense if you know anything about demonic cases, because usually the lower level things come in and they start wearing at you or wearing at the the inhabitants and then as things progress stronger and stronger entities take over and it's rare that there's a single demon devil entity in a house it's usually um a cooperative effort and and that's 
basically what it appears to have been there. Gotcha. And and the boulders, or well, not boulders, rocks, rocks. Uh, coming down. Now, I've heard of that in other um, places, but they're more of like a natural, well, they're considered natural phenomena uh, because there's one like boulder, uh, there's like a boulder field in Colorado, I think. Or something as my trip out west, we, we mm-hmm. visited some place. And I think there's one up in the northeast too, where they just like rained out of nowhere. And right. you know, is that is that anything similar? Could that have been caused by that and or or could that have been some sort of weather thing? It wasn't a weather thing. Um and you'll see this sometimes in poltergeist poltergeist cases, mm-hmm. um, but not at this level as a general rule. Um, this was obviously malicious and, and meant to be damaging, most physically and psychologically. Um, and like I said, these were rains. Uh, they made reference to the fact that this happened on occasions and it happened for over an hour. Interestingly enough, stuff spontaneously combusted as well. Mm. And flaming rags and furniture would throw itself at the um, at the family and at uh, Ed and Lorraine and the exorcist. So, I mean, the level of activity was, you know, exceedingly high. Right. Wow. So what's the pink mark then? I think that was my last thing. Well, the priests took it as um, it was. I've never heard of a pink mark. I won't lie. I won't, I've never heard of a pink mark. I've heard of things that had happened before that gave the priests um the knowledge that they were getting close, that they were wearing it down. Mm -hmm. But they took it apparently to mean that it was surrendering, that this pink mark meant that it had, it had disappeared for a second and it was getting ready to surrender, that they had it on the run. Um, Why that particular thing meant that to them, I can't say because I wasn't, I didn't know the exorcist and I don't know how they, why they interpreted it that way, but they did. Okay. But they didn't even say what it looked like. Was it a shape? No, they was just, it a? It just said a okay. pink mark. Gotcha. That's weird. Mm-hmm. That's weird that they would give you a, f- a physical sign that they're giving up. You know what I mean? Well, not necessarily. I mean, there have been other cases. In the original Exorcist case, um, the um, monks that um, performed the exorcism daily for the boy and whenever he was taken to St. Louis had a physical event. And um, then they had other things that were like hallmarks, if you would, that things were about to come to a head and it was going to end. Um, but um, this was a this is probably one of the most extreme cases I know of Ouija boards bursting into this kind of activity. Are we doing all dark cases today? Or well, we're doing Ouija board cases, so how you feeling today? <laughs> Do you, are there happy ones? I'm not going to break your brain. There are very, very rarely a happy story, um, or and maybe I should say a not unhappy story would be a better way to say it. Oh, um, but they're very, very, very rare. By far, the vast majority of stories I've ever encountered were um, negative in nature or negative in impact to the inhabitants. For example, um, there's a hotel in Gettysburg that I'm familiar with, very familiar with the people that own it. And, um, three or four summers ago, I was on my way back from Gettysburg, um, just getting ready to leave town when 
I got a call from them and they said, hey, um, is there any chance you could stop out in the near future? They didn't realize I was in town. So I said, sure, I'm actually in, in Gettysburg now. I'm getting ready to leave. I could stop at the place on the way out of town. And I did. And they walked me up to the third floor to one of their rooms. And the minute you walked in the room, I went, whoa. And they're like, what? And I'm like, it is strong in here. What the heck happened? And they said, you tell me. And I said, I, all I can tell you is I've been in this room before. I've been in every room in that building multiple times. And I have never felt anything like this. This is really negative. Like It's almost like somebody called something up that was really nasty. And it's kind of hanging here. And the owner's wife, she said, come on downstairs to the bar. So we went downstairs to the bar area, which the building was shut down. And we sat there and had a soda. And she said, I, she, they have as many hotels and, and B&Bs do. They have a book in every room. And because they lived in the hotel as well, the family, the couple, um, they had they had a sign at the front door. And it was in the rooms and all over the place. It said, this is our home as well as our business. And we request that you not use Ouija boards here. Okay. And she pulled had pulled the book from that particular room because the next they had had some people stay a couple weeks earlier and the next four guests had all left the room either the first night or the morning of the second day stating that the place was just very negative and they couldn't stay there. They had nightmares or they had things touching them or things happening. Now the building was very well known to be haunted, but the caliber of the haunting had changed. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't the friendly kind of normal activity that people had always had. Right. This was very different. And was it just that room? The only room that was seeming to be impacted was this room. Okay. So that's when they went up and took the book and thought they would read back over it and start like five or six people back and see if anything had happened. Well, the fifth person back was actually four young ladies and they had rented this room. And um, in the book, they wrote very um, braggadocious remarks about how they had fooled the innkeepers that they had hidden a Ouija board in their suitcase. And if they were going to pay this kind of money to stay in a hotel, they were going to damn well get to have some fun. So they were sitting there during their stay at night using the Ouija board and having a blast getting drunk. Um, and the owners didn't know. So what were they trying to do? Just play. They thought it was a game. So they were, you know, talking to the dead soldiers and calling up entities, Is anybody here, blah, blah, blah. And when they left, they left all this negativity behind. And um, they also left the Ouija board. Oh. Which was found in one of the um, closets in the room why they left it if it was an oversight or if there was another reason i do not know so i now am in possession of the book and the ouija board at that point and i gave the book back to them and i said i will take this board and i will get rid of it so i cleansed the place shut the portal took the board and i left figuring i was going to go and get rid of it this makes this story interesting this is one of the reasons that I knew this case wasn't just a coincidence. So I get to my, I get to Bedford and my oldest son is living on his own with his girlfriend. And I pull up at his house 
Ouija board still locked in my trunk. And I was going to, um, to tell him some stuff I needed to tell him and give him some stuff I needed to give him. And then I was going to go home, take care of the Ouija board stuff and, you know, go on. It was on my list of to do's for the day. <laughs> and, um, wait, I before you go on, uh, do you have something like a warding sign in your trunk? Like the Winchesters do? <laughs> no, I do not. I just use prayer and faith. Okay. I'm sure that's <laughs> anyway, just as good. Yeah. <laughs> Actually better. Or better. Any- yeah. Anyway, I pull up my son's driveway and get out to, to walk up on the porch, and there lays a Ouija board on his porch. And I'm like, what the hell? And I open the door, and I go in, and I said, Daniel, what are you doing? And he's like, what? And I said, the Ouija board on the porch. Have you been playing with that crap? You know better. He's like, no, absolutely not. Well, it turned out that his girlfriend and her sisters had the same weekend gotten a Ouija board while he was working and had brought it in the house and had been playing it while he was at work and their little infant son was in the room. And he came home and found them, you know, half drunk playing with this damn Ouija board. And he wigged out because he grew up with me and he knows better. And after that, the house had a terrible amount of activity for quite a while. Um, A mist coming up out of the floor, objects would move on their own. And he said, I threw that thing on the porch, hoping that whenever you got home, you deal with it. So we added it to the one in the trunk already. And I (laughs) imagine if you got pulled over and they check your trunk for whatever reason. And they're like, uh, I have no drugs, but you can go, ma'am. I have demonically oppressed Ouija boards and I really need to get take care of them. So could you just like give me my ticket and we'll move on? Yeah, sir. You do not want any part of this. I promise. So. But anyhow, that's a weird coincidence, though. It is a bizarre coincidence. And that's one of the reasons I knew that it was more than a coincidence, because what are the odds? And um, so I I dealt with the boards, got rid of them and what have you. And it took a while to get rid of the activity in his house. But, you know, so that's that's a milder case um, of what happens. But definitely. um, bizarre and you'll see those kinds of bizarre coincidences where like it was like i can get to your family Mm -hmm. because you're you're annoying me right so they let you know in their own less than subtle way so wasn't he able to take care of it himself or did you always keep them from that when they were growing up he's not particularly fond of it he's very sensitive but he's not particularly fond of it he can um deal with some of it but he's not interested in learning about it Mm. so he would rather it just all go away gotcha i think all three of my sons are fairly that way they're like you know just go ahead and take care of it mom i'd rather not have to deal with this Mm -hmm. i gotcha so i didn't know exactly what their exposure was they they've worked some hauntings with me yeah but nice hauntings i mean i've always been careful that whatever i took them into was very benign yeah if they've wandered into other stuff they've wandered into it when i wasn't with them and they wandered into it on their own um like breaking you know when they're teenagers one of them broke into a old abandoned building that had a reputation for being exceedingly haunted but he did have enough common sense whenever the place started kind of blowing up with activity to go okay i have had enough if y'all are going to stay in here and play with this crap i'm going back to the car 
And then he texted me and said, Mom, you're not going to believe what's happening. I'm like, what have you done? And he's like, not me, but my girlfriend and so-and-so was here. And they, you know, they wanted to go into this old building. And I'm sitting in the car. And what should I do? So, I mean, they've had a little bit of activity. But I've tried my best to keep the worst of it away from them. I assume once we have 200 patrons and I go on a ghost hunt, you will do the same? Yes, of course. Okay. I would never I would never deliberately bring anybody to a place like that. The only people that would go to a place like that would be Chris, mm-hmm. Charlie, Laura, and Dorsey and I. Those are the only ones in my team that I would risk taking into a place like that, only with their own foreknowledge and their ability to protect themselves first. Do you have the next generation you're breeding to do that? Like, like what happens, what happens when you guys are gone? (laughs) Um, like is no one else going to do it? You know what I mean? Chris is young. Well, yeah. But what happens when he's gone? He'll, he'll, he'll just be by himself. He'll have to recruit people. Wander into his life and in at whatever point in time. I mean, everybody learns this and then they go through the process and, you know, and I'm not planning on going anywhere for a while yet. So, you know, I got time to teach others. I know I'm always talking about when you're gone. <laughs> I know, like, dude, I am not that freaking old. Well, I mean, I don't want to push you out the door because we got a podcast to do for like 30 years. So, yeah, see, I got I got things. I'm committed for the next 30 years. Like, I just got to tell Jesus, I'm sorry, darling. I really, truly want to come, but I have commitments and I really got to fulfill them because I like to keep my word. Yep. You know? Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm always just, you know me, I'm always one foot in the future. And I'm like, okay, so what happens then? Is there another team coming up of up and comers? You know, it's it's just everything's different now than it used to be. First of all, the paranormal community is different. Um, now everybody wants a thousand dollars to do some ghost hunting. Um, it's a rivalry where it used to be a camaraderie. So I just avoid the worst of that. Um, I hunt with the people that I trust and I've always trusted that I know are good and have my back and are doing it for all the right reasons. And I leave it at that. Right. Are other people charging to be ghost exterminators, basically? There are some. Ghostbusters. There are some. And um, I I find that... um, I understand on one hand, if you're putting a lot of time into a case, that it means it's time you can't earn another kind of living. I get that. But on the other hand, you cannot guarantee the results. Therefore, I don't think... And I think it changes the complexion of the relationship Mm -hmm. and your work if if you involve money. Yeah, I always wonder that because I'm like, okay, well, what if you... Patty Wilson were to do that full time. That would be the only way is to charge. I mean, there's no other way. Uh, if you were trying to like solve cases for and help people like 24 seven, as opposed to doing a job, you know, so do you, do you, uh, I'm sure most of them, uh, who charge probably aren't like legit either, but I know we talked I, about that a long time ago. Yeah, I can't really, some of them aren't, I'm sure of that. Um, other ones, I'm not sure. I, I don't know them, so I can't speak to them. And I don't want to, you know, besmirch somebody's reputation if I don't know them. Yeah. That's not right. Because I never want to talk about bad, like bad about anybody in case that's the reason they're doing it. It's like, well, we have no other chance. Uh, we we want to help as many people as humanly possible. But, you know, we have to support ourselves, too. So, that is not the argument I have heard. I have to say, and I want to say this nicely, because I, I mean, there are a few people who do it that are phenomenal at it, that do it for all the right reasons that I do know. 
Um, and there are others that are kind of megalomaniacs, like I am the only one. I am so good. I right, am the, right. You know, those kind of people. Um, it is a field that you, you have to watch because you can get full of yourself. Yeah. Well, how did the Warrens do it? Just by selling the books and by doing the talks? I believe so. I okay. believe so. And I don't know if they had day jobs at, for, at the beginning. I think they had day jobs as well in the beginning. And, and even John Zappas had a day job for many, many years and mm-hmm. what have you. But um, yeah, they, you know, they made a living throughout the years doing it. They also had the museum and they had all these other things over the years. So, but uh, they were, you know, them and Hans Holzer for a long time were pretty much the only ones out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if anyone did want to make a living at it, would you suggest doing books and doing youtube channel or something instead the books aren't going to make you money these days because everybody and their uncle can put a book out on amazon because of the can of the kindle craze and the self-publishing and all that yeah i guess you would know of course yeah it's very rare i mean because you have people that are selling books that are 20 pages long Mm -hmm. you have people that can't write that are selling books you have people that are really late on their facts selling books there's a bazillion of them there's no um it's hard to have authority i came in kind of at the end of the writers with authority still you know Mm -hmm. what i'm saying um and i was a legit writer with publishers and and what have you but there's not a lot of that in this field anymore and that doesn't make them bad books don't misunderstand i'm not saying they're all bad books i'm just saying that there's just a mountain of them and everybody puts out a kindle book and then advertises author so and so well it's the same as like music i mean mm-hmm. that's spotify they get paid per play now instead of being able to fell uh, sell physical CDs. Nobody buys those or anything. Anyway, I get what you're saying. What? My air horn's going off again. What air the horn? One, I tell you every night at between seven and eight, I hear an air horn. Oh, yeah. It's, it's going again. I don't, I mean, I don't pick it up. Is so, it, well, is I it in your going. own head? Or... No, it's legit. I asked the boys the other night about it, and somebody told me they're scaring geese or something. That's oh, have you? There's been like it sounds like a military uh, airplane is going directly overhead of the houses. Have you heard that here in town? I have not. Okay, so this has happened numerous times, and like I said, stay at home, dad. Like I'm home. And our neighbors are are kind of, you know, a little older, like some of them don't work anymore, stuff like that. And I we heard this thing. And of course, you always told me if you hear something crazy, don't go outside. Well, it sounded like like a literal like, you know, F-35 like fighter was like right above our houses in this neighborhood. And then and it's like shakes the house and it's really loud. And then it's gone. And this has happened. And I'm like, well, the whole town would have to hear this if it was a thing. But I looked out my windows uh, the first time it happened and all my neighbors were coming outside, looking up in the air, trying to figure out what it was. And it's not like it trails off. It's like it's almost like it's sitting above the houses and you and their engine is like right above the roof. And then suddenly it's gone. And but there's no but nothing to say. Right. Have you ever heard of this? here or anywhere <laughs> because it's happened three times huh. and it just yeah, happened it, when jenna and everybody was was home the other day jenna was like what was that i'm like i do not know 
I, I haven't figured it out yet, but I'm guessing it's the thing that we saw. I'm guessing it's the, uh, the UFO that we saw before. No, but I will tell you something else that's been going on. Um, recently there's been a spate of people all around the world claiming they heard trumpets or ram's horns blowing in the sky and they've been coming from all over um isn't that like revelation stuff it is um but uh, danny my oldest was talking to me about it the other night and he was pulling up like account after account after account from all over the world where like like nuclear newspapers or um what have you were um talking about, you know, the people in such and such a village claim that they heard some of them recorded it and you could actually hear it. Okay. I was going to say, are any of these places like so remote that they don't have like cell phone, like access to the internet or anything? No, a lot of them. No, these places are, I mean, very few places have no access to the internet these days. Yeah, but, but I mean, they couldn't, you know, that way you would know that they're not coordinating with any, but, anybody else. Um, but they actually recorded it, and it's mm. this, it's a similar sound from multiple accounts. So, um, and like one would be from Pakistan, and one would be from um, France, and then one or two would be from the United States, and one would be from Canada. It was it was interesting. So, is this the end times? I have no clue, and I'm not trying to say it is. I'm just saying you were talking about things that you could hear, and that was what popped in my head was that this conversation I just had. Yeah, well, that's that's scary. And nobody saw anything in those events either. They just heard it. Well, who has trumpets randomly? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> well, and that's what they said. They don't sound like trumpets so much as they sound like horns, but not trumpets. It's not what they're saying. Or ram's horns, that long, low sound, you know? Oh, wow, that was good. Thank you. You're welcome. You've been practicing that? <laughs> no, I, I'm just a good mimic. Oh, okay. <laughs> are you actually Patty Wilson or are you a mimic? Or are you somebody else? I'm me. <laughs> okay. I'll take your word for it. You'll have to. Even though if you weren't, <laughs> that's what you would say anyway. Hmm? That's right. Uh, <laughs> how do we get so far off track? I have no clue. But this we usually just doesn't to happen do to us. No, that's not true. At the beginning, we were off track more than we were. <laughs> well, we stuck on topic, but we we usually would wander off and then wander back to the topic. But we well, have yet we'll to wander back to the topic. We have yet to I go back more, to the topic. <laughs> I got more Ouija stories. Okay. Hit me. Okay. Years ago, I was um, doing an event and this young lady came to me and she was in her late 20s, maybe. And she said, my mom and dad's house are, is haunted and we were wondering if you could um, come and check it out. So I said, sure. And I went over with one other person a few days later to meet her family. And here's the story. Apparently, the house hadn't always been haunted. In fact, it had never been haunted until about two years earlier. And she and her sister, um, who are, is about a year or two younger than her, were sitting in the kitchen one day playing with the Ouija board. And this was the first time they had ever played with it. Her younger brother, who would have been about 13 or 14, was upstairs in his bedroom and had no clue what was happening downstairs. Because frankly, he didn't want to hang out with the teenage girls. And, um, they, she said that, you know, it had been a game, just been a game for uh, like a half hour or so. And then all of a sudden the oven door, like they got this entity and it was talking really 
really talking and giving them information. And she said it was almost like you had, you couldn't keep up with the planchet as it was moving. Like it would slip out from under your fingertips and start moving that fast. So they made a really hard connect with something. Mm -hmm. And as they were asking questions, um, one of them said something like, um, so can you tell me your name? And the oven door flew open and the glass in the door cracked. Now, the door did not fly off. It just flew open and bent, went down as far as it normally would, um, but very rapidly. And then the glass cracked and kind of went a smoky black. And that freaked them out. And they were like, okay, we're done. We've had enough. And they put the board away. Well, that afternoon, um, this was, you know, like four o'clock, five o'clock in the afternoon, somewhere in that range. That evening is the um, after dinner, their brother um, went upstairs and he came flying back downstairs and he said there was a figure, a black figure in the hallway. And the girls kind of looked at each other and they, they didn't want to acknowledge that it could possibly have anything to do with what they had been up to. And they're like, oh, you're making it up, blah, blah, blah. And their mom and dad kind of poo-pooed it. But this began what became a very active haunting. Um, they would all come to encounter this black figure. They would hear um, footsteps scratching in the walls, pounding. Um, the carpet rolled itself up on multiple occasions in the living room, like something had literally lifted up the furniture and rolled the carpet up from underneath it and then plopped it back down. Okay, that's pretty strong. And they did it in the middle of the night, and not a sound was heard. But they got up in the morning, and the carpet was rolled up. Hmm. And this continued on, um, and the house just became very, very active. Um, smells, some of them very foul. Some of them um, a smell of flowers, but so sickening sweet, it was gagging. Hmm. And, um, you know... And this is one of the things that happens in cases. I went, I talked to them, I explained what I thought was going on. They panicked and said, oh, no, I don't want to deal with this. It could get worse. And so they chose to leave the haunting alone. Well, what do you think it was? I think they left something in with the Ouija board. No, I mean, what What do you think they left in? A negative entity of some sort. Okay, because they don't usually leave. Do they usually leave smells like some that? Can. Some can. Okay. I, I thought smells and... Those type of things are more associated with human spirits. No, not necessarily. Demonics can leave smells as well. Okay. Well, you will often hear, um, you will hear about foul smells. Yeah. Usually it's like rotting meat or something, right? Rotting meat, uh, sulfur, sulfur yep. um, bile smells, but rotting flowers, gagging sweet smells will also happen. And then after, um, a cleansing and exorcism, stuff like that. Often people will report um, the fresh scent of roses or um, lilacs or some, but a very pleasant smell. Hmm. So, so this has an unresolved case really because the family just decided that it was easier to live with it than to try to agitate it. And they never tried to contact you again? We talked over the years a couple times, but they were like, you know, it's slowing down a little bit. So we're, we're going to just let it die on its own. And okay. I have no clue if it ever died out completely or not, because that's their choice. Yeah, but it was never getting like violent or anything like that. It like... wasn't the caliber of the Donovan case, no. Hmm. But it was definitely active. It moved objects. It, um, 
it brought that terrible sweet smell with it that was almost gaggingly sweet. Um, you know, like I said, it broke the, um, like the moment it came in, I think is whenever the oven door, you know, flipped open and shattered and the glass turned black. It was, you know, you could see through glass, you could see into the oven. And after that you couldn't, and they had to replace the oven door because hmm. it bent on the hinges. Yeah. I definitely would have had it taken care of. If it was me. Well, and everybody has a different way of dealing with that. A lot of people like the denial method, mm-hmm. hoping it'll just go away if you don't mess with it. And I have had those cases many times, unfortunately. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Hmm. What else you got? Well. How many How many did you bring with you? How many stories? I'm just trying to see. <laughs> I think I'm, I have like five or six. Okay, keep together. going. Keep so the hits coming. I know I know another story. Um, this actually happened to a relative of mine. She was a teenager. She went to a slumber party. And this would have been in the 1960s. And, of course, the big thing was, you know, light as a feather and uh, play with the Ouija board and try to scare each other and all that stuff. Are you familiar with all that? Light as a feather and all that stuff? Oh, my goodness. Can I give a story? Sure. Real quick. Uh, you ready? Okay. So this happened uh, to me. Um, so we were playing like when we were younger, we used to, our parents used to go over to their friend's house and they had a daughter that was like a similar age to my sister and she would always have her friend there and stuff. So we would always, you know, just play board games or whatever. And they wanted to do that. And we ended up not doing light as a feather, but we did this other like visualization. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, now I know it's visualization, but, uh, you'd basically have someone lay there and you'd like rub their temples and you would tell them a story and then you'd say something. Oh, it's cat scratch. You heard that? No. Okay. So usually you say something like, Oh, something was chasing you and a cat like scratched your back or whatever. And, uh, and then you look up and you pull up their shirt and they have like lines on your back. Mm -hmm. Uh, so it looks like a cat scratched you. And it's not like openly bleeding or anything, but, um, people, you know, and then you'd all check out the person's back and be like, ah, you know, (laughs) or whatever. And one time, uh, we did one that was talking about like Superman Mm -hmm. and the, the symbol for Superman was on the one person's back. Very weird. And I was like, wow, that's, that's something. And even when I think of it now, I'm like, Geez, that was that was quite the uh, visualization they had there. Their skin like <laughs> formed, you know, the Superman symbol, and um, right. but I haven't thought of it since until uh, till you said that. So anyhow, they were playing. That's that's a fascinating story because it was well, it, it bad. How... Your the look on your face wasn't good. <laughs> I I don't know. I mean, I wasn't there, so I can't speak to it. But it just that kind of stuff tends to open doors. Okay. But um, anyhow, my um, relative was at this slumber party type thing, and they did the light as a feather and all that stuff. And um, somebody, you know, she said, well, I think that they levitated like two or three inches off the floor. And then one of the girls screamed and poof, they all fell back, you know, fell back down to the ground. And that was enough of that. And so they went ahead and they did the other stuff. And I'm sure they, you know, played a bunch of other parlor games. And then they decided to do the Ouija board. 
And most of the time, critics of the Ouija board will say that it's your subconscious mind and that we move it even when we don't think we're moving the planchet with our fingers. But in this particular instance, um, what I found compelling is that she and um, another relative who was in the room with them both said the same thing independently because I talked to them separate times. And that is that the planchet took off and they weren't touching it. Now, that means that this piece of wood is moving along without physical and, you know, any physical energy. Right. So, and it was moving to answer questions and they literally, it was going so fast and so um, strong that they literally pulled their hands away making, to make it stop and it kept going on its own. So anyhow, um, it, it was angry. It was saying some nasty things. Sometimes the boards will tell you you're going to die and stuff like this. And it scared the girls. So they stopped the board, gathered up the crap, put it in the box and everybody was worried. You know, they're about 12 years old at the time. And so they went on with a slumber party and kind of subdued went to bed, got up the next day and everybody went home. One of the girls, when she was on her way home, was in a car accident and died. Now, this could be a coincidence, but the girls did not take it that way. Mm-hmm. They began to worry because it said you will all die. Okay. So they assumed that this was the first of many of them. And um, over the next few days, one of the other girls was um, badly injured whenever a car backed up and hit her. I think it was a bread truck, actually that was um, delivering bread to one of the little local stores and she lived near it and she was walking behind it and it hit her. Again, it could have been a coincidence, but how many coincidences make a paranormal event, you know? Well, what's the state so of the, girl- the driver? That I always wonder when people have accidents like that, did something happen to the driver of the truck that made him do it? He said he it? never saw her. Okay. So it was just he said a plane. he never saw her. It was just an accident. Like okay. he was backing up to the loading dock and somehow she's between him and the loading dock. And he, in fact, it happened often enough that that's one of the reasons they put those beepy things on the cars now VR trucks so that whenever they back up, you have to know that they're backing up. Huh. What was she doing um, so back there I, anyway? I that's kind know, of a weird place 60s. for someone to be. Well, because she was running she would cut through that alley and go to her house and it would save walking all the way around. Okay. That makes sense now. So, so she just sort of ran back there, went through that area and he was sitting there and he began to back up and maybe she thought she had the opportunity to, um, make it through before he started. I'm playing devil's advocate now. Right. And, um, anyhow, it was enough to terrify the girls. So they decided that they were going to get rid of the board. Now, please listen, everybody. Do not burn boards. It doesn't work well when you burn boards, and it doesn't make them go away. Um, there is a specific method, but you need to find somebody that knows what the heck they're doing, because otherwise you're just going to either exacerbate the problem or you're going to just continue with the problem as it exists right now. But anyhow, the girls decided they were going to get rid of the board couple days after this whole thing happened, the girls had gotten together that were still okay. And they were talking and, um, at the end of the yard, their parents were burning a barrel of trash, which was very common in the sixties as a way to get rid of the garbage. So the girls went out and they were talking to the, to their dad, the one girl's dad. And she, they said, we'll stay here and we'll watch it. And you know, and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, okay, well, it's almost burned anyway. So as soon as he left, 
to go back to the house. Um, the girls ran, one of the girls ran in, grabbed the board and they threw it in the fire. And according to my, my relative, it erupted. Like it didn't just smolder and catch. Hmm. It erupted in flame and whoosh. And it was like burned and it was really gone almost as though, um, she said, you know, at the time they didn't have this analogy, but later on they would see it and and recognize it almost as though somebody threw gasoline on a fire, that kind of a whoosh. Um, so they thought, okay, the board is gone. Right. Should be. And about, um, three hours later, the girls were playing in the living room of this girl's house and talking and, you know, watching TV and what have you being girls, 12 year old girls. When the, the girl who lived there, her mother walked in and she said to her, will you keep your toys up? I've told you this a thousand times. And the girl's like, what are you talking about? And she's like this, I tripped on it in the hallway. And here it was the Ouija board. And she said they burned it three times and then they dug a hole and stuck it in the hole because it wouldn't burn. Wait, it wouldn't burn or they saw it burnt and then it appeared not burned. And they saw it burn and erupted in flames and they thought it was gone. And when they found it, whenever the mother gave it back to them, it wasn't even scorched. Right. What about the other three times? The other two times, that was the first of okay um they tried burning it again um and it it did the same thing each time but it would um reappear back one time the mother found it in the hallway uh once they found it sitting on the girls's bed the girl's bed and the other time it was um laying in the backyard and so then when did they bury it they buried it in a cemetery of all places thinking of it as consecrated ground and then what happened? They didn't come back that time. Oh. They don't know what happened with it from there. Okay. Well, this thing sounds like Jumanji, where you just can't get rid of it. Jeez. So, um, but anyhow, that is a story um, of such a thing. Well, whenever, like, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, whenever you say about, like, oh, they ended the session or they closed the port, you know, they closed the board or whatever. Now, um, it doesn't act like, oh, you close the portal and it sucks back whatever came through, right? Yeah. Like, it it will be there whether you have the portal open or not. Well, the board has nothing to do with the portal. Once you open the portal, there's a specific, there's a specific set of things you have to do before you begin a session with a Ouija board if you're going to use it appropriately. Right. There's a specific set of things you have to do with the and to close that portal anytime you make a connect with that Ouija board and it's more than kids goofing off people goofing off and that means you've opened a portal right every time yeah but anything that came through that portal even if you close the portal it doesn't mean that thing's going back no okay yeah I didn't know if it had like some sort of a pull <laughs> effect it or- can only it can um it can shut the portal so nothing more can come through. Right. You might be able to get the thing to go back if you know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. But the pa- the fact of the matter is there's probably less than 1% of the people in this country who know what the hell they're doing. Right. So the detriment of even starting it to begin with is there. Yes. But when we make pink Ouija boards and we sell them, you know, geared to 10-year-old little girls, um, we're bound to have issues. And not all of these Ouija board stories, though, are about... 10 year old little girls i mean the you know multiple ones of these were adults um in fact one of the next the next story i'm gonna tell you is from an adult um she contacted me 
10 years ago now, maybe. And um, her and her husband. And basically what had happened is a relative of hers had died that she was exceedingly fond of. And so in her grief, and this happens quite frequently, um, they bought a Ouija board specifically to talk to grandpap so-and-so. And she tried it for 10 or 15 minutes. It felt odd for her. And she said it wasn't her cup of tea. So she and her husband closed the board. Now they had like seven or eight kids. They had a lot of kids. And um, in order to keep the kids from finding the board until they could figure out what they were going to do with the board because they wanted to get rid of it, but they didn't want to give it to other people. And they'd heard stories about how you couldn't just burn it and, you know, all of this. They took the board out and locked it in a storage area in the uh, uh, garage next to their house and thought nothing more of it until the house became extremely active. And by that, I mean the the little littler ones were talking about a black shadow guy that was standing by their bed and he scared them. Um, objects were moving, that sort of thing. And... One night, they went into the oldest boy's bedroom and um, found him using the Ouija board. He had found, had somehow gotten the key, gotten into the storage locker, was rooting around, found the board, thought it was cool, took it into the house secretly for. And um, what had been playing it for several weeks by himself. And thus opened um, this panorama of crazy that lasted for years and years. Um, We ended up having to go in every, I don't know, five to six months and do house blessings over the entire house. Now, the littlest children um, would never be in the house when we came because the family didn't want to expose them and have to answer all the questions about the crazy people that were spritzing holy water and sea salt all over their house, right? (laughs) Yeah. And and that's fine. I get that. So I found it fascinating, though, that um, the children would know we were there. Like the one night we came, it had been really, really bad. And they were asking us to come back. We blessed the house from top to bottom. And um, maybe an hour after we leave, the, the children come home, the young ones come home. And they called me that night and said, you're not going to believe what happened. And they told me the little child, the one that was having the most trouble today, she's going. I mean, she didn't want to go to sleep at night because she was terrified of the man that stood in the corner and watched her sleep. And she would do everything under the sun to stay up and not have to go to her room. And on this night, she fussed until she went into the bedroom and she walked in the bedroom and she said, oh, he's gone. The people must have been here again. Hmm. Now, she could very well have heard from her older siblings about the people. And I, you know, but immediately she knew something had changed in the house because something had happened. And so maybe her assumption was every time we came, the guy went away for a while. But anyhow, um, this went on for years and years. Like they ended up putting an entire um, video camera system in their home and you could watch objects move. And it was just um, a bizarre. And it all started with a Ouija board. I wish I could give us some of that footage. I actually have some of that footage. Oh, well, 
You'd have to ask them, but yes, I would have to ask them. But anyhow, but they would send me bits and pieces and snippets and what have you. But this just went on for years and years and years. Well, did it give up or did you guys finally get it to go somehow? No, um, eventually, uh, the one of the things that I tell people all the time when they're in the paranormal, if they're having issues with the paranormal is to leave the paranormal alone. And eventually we had to have a talk because they kept dealing with the paranormal, like wanting to go to haunted places and go on, um, like they would go and rent or, you know, and, and participate in haunted weekends and what have you and bring stuff back with them and what have you. And I kept saying, you really need to stop. You really need to stop. And I understand it's a fascinating subject. I understand that. And that's really what was the, um, progenitor of, of their deciding to put in the video camera system, the DVR system in their house and all of that is that they could sit there and watch the paranormal. Well, if you're courting it, it's going to act up. Right. If you and want after, it. Yeah. So after a couple of years of this, I finally said to them, look, if you're going to continue to do this, there's nothing I can do to help you. You know, there's no sense in me asking everybody to take up their time and energy and money to come to your home every four or five months because you won't leave a bay. Right. So that is how I left it. So you haven't talked to him for a while? I haven't, no. Okay. I mean, I, I I know that they're... So it could still be happening right now? It could be. I don't know. But at some point, you do have to say, you know, like, I've told you to leave it alone. I've asked you to leave it alone. I've told you to stop courting it. Even your priest has told you this. And you're still doing it. So I, I can't ask my guys in good conscience to keep coming back over and over. Now, they don't get attached, do they, to the board or the planchet or anything? Like, it's not the one entities? of those. Yeah, you call it down to it, and it it's attached to that, and it can still run amok in your house. But the it's actually a cursed object that you have now instead? Like, is that a possibility there, because you're channeling it into couple, something? There are a couple stories I know of Ouija boards that were kind of cursed. But that's the exception, not the rule. Okay, so whatever comes through is just free, and it can just roam about your house and isn't... Right. Okay, gotcha. So it just opens portals, basically. And most of the time it does, yes. Mm-hmm. I mean... And I'm not, I've heard a thousand cases like that, you know, where... And it, they all start out the same. I had a case where... Um, we had a guy with who contacted me and he said him and his girlfriend contacted me and said that there was a man with no face haunting them. And we went, started the case and I was doing my preliminary stuff whenever the guy said, well, I have to ask you a question. And I said, what? And he said, when I was a, he's in his late twenties now, right now he'd be in his thirties. And he said, um, when I was like 14, my sister and I were messing with the Ouija board and like something came through and, um, we know it came through because that night my mom like freaked out because she was laying there reading a book and all of it looked up and there was this little girl with us really long frizzy hair standing there watching her and she didn't have any eyes. And he's like, um, and then and like it happened for a while and then it went away and then I moved out and blah, blah, blah. And everything was good. And then um, it just started, you know, something started here, but this is a guy with no face. Like it was a man, he was wearing tan pants and a white shirt. But when you, when he turned around, he had no face, no eyes, no mouth, no nose, no nothing, just no face. And he's like, 
could it be the same thing? And I'm like, did you recently bring something from home? And he's like, no, nothing. And then she's like, yes, you did. You brought that fire extinguisher that you, that old antique fire extinguisher you collected. He's like, oh yeah, that. He's like, yeah, that's about the time it started. <laughs> so, you know. Ding. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and they, but they don't make that connect. Right. So whatever it was, had been patiently waiting at the house for years. And then, and it, you know, and it had the classic hallmarks. Um, there was pounding outside the house one night. He opened the door and then the, the entity started. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we ended up cleansing the house. And I was probably in – it was all – and it worked. Everything was good. But then like two years later, she contacted me again and she said um, – this is one of my funnier stories. She said, um, hey, we're getting married and we just wanted to invite you guys to the wedding, you and Charlie and, <laughs> you know, and, and on and, and Jen and all of them. And I'm like, well – I thank you very much for the honor. That is so kind of you. I said, but I think we're going to take a rain check. And she's like, why? We'd love to have you there. You've made life so much better and blah, blah, blah. And I I know, honey, but I just want you to think about the conversation at our table. So you're their cousin, huh? And they're like, yeah, how'd you meet so-and-so-and-so-and-so? Oh, we were the exorcist for their house. (laughs) And she's like, oh, I get it. Yeah, I Or you could just go enjoy yourselves and not let the paranormal crop up for once. Paranormal crops up always. It just seems to. I find that too. Every time I start talking about it, with somebody then i find it like six group of you know six people uh, around me who i don't know and i'm like oh <laughs> you never heard this yeah. stuff before guys but she laughed and she said yeah i get it she's like uh it would it would be difficult to explain you in my life and i said yeah we'll just leave it at this yeah but i wish you the very best <laughs> that's funny well it's good that you mean enough to them to invite to the wedding I know a lot of weddings have a cut roster, right? You guys made the cut. We made the cut. <laughs> That's good. So. Um, were we going to talk about sleepwalking stuff in a different mean, in a different episode? We can. I, I couldn't remember if for the patron episode about the um, sleeping mm-hmm. stuff, like uh, what what did we even call it? <laughs> what was that episode they're all running together now patty uh, you're telling me i like i i do the research sleep I paralysis together. like the the yeah. sleep paralysis episode we talked about we would do one for like sleepwalking or something and well, i have to tell you i have a like, great deal of experience with sleep walking stuff sleepwalking because... sleep channeling is that a well thing? my oldest son was a sleepwalker still is a sleepwalker when he's under a lot of stress we'll and he save was it out then with- for since he was a little tiny baby but and i have lots of experiences with that okay yeah i i have uh an interesting one that's just more funny than anything else but i i didn't know if i should tell it now or save it so i'll save it and i you know i'm looking at some other things i want to do some stuff on uh, shadow people i want to do stuff on black eyed children um the rake um all kinds of stuff like that skinwalkers and then uh our long awaited cats episode yes that's gonna get recorded hopefully tomorrow yeah i am brushing up on my cat stuff tonight and early tomorrow yeah every cats were a big hit with the lives uh speaking um, of the lives yes we're gonna start doing more i'd like to okay we're we're testing out some different things some trial versions of programs and stuff we're trying to see if we can get one that we can do split screen with i think i found one so that's not horribly expensive but 
We'll see. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see if it works first before I pay for it. But yeah. Yes. Um, all right. What else do we got? We got, uh, let's see. Call us, everyone. We, we want to hear from you. We want That's your right. stories. We to call. Yeah. Uh, I think we, we haven't had any new calls in a while. Um, we want to start reviewing your calls. We haven't, but we have a lot of amazing. We have a lot of amazing stories, though. I have to tell you, I've been sitting reading stories, and I'm creating. I'm going to create a file of these stories. They're just so amazing. I just can't. Um, you know, I wanted people to be able to see them, and so I'm just kind of. I think we should start reviewing them one. You know, maybe a few a night, or uh, an episode, or just have an episode where we are just talking some of the better stories, um, because there are just so many of them. So the group share is that where you got it? Yes. You're talking from? Yes. Yeah. The group share is just phenomenal. Yeah. If if you um, we did have a near death one on the near yes. death episode in the comments section, but mm-hmm. um, if you want to uh, share your stories, that's definitely the best place to do it, so everybody can see it in the share group. Um, what else we got? Uh, the phone number, I didn't even say it yet, uh, is 814-414-4341. That's 814-414-4341. And, uh, take it away, Patty. I'm looking something else up. I'm just thinking that, uh, I'm looking forward to hearing the stories as well as uh, reading some of those stories. I read stories every weekend because I work all weekend, so I just don't have a lot of time. Um, and I'm just looking forward to it. I really do think we should have an episode where we're just picking some of the stories and reading because they are awesome. Agreed. And if we do read your story, we will not read your last name. It'll just be, you know, Autumn or Jane Doe or whatever. And, um, leave it at that. But the stories are really amazing and, um, people just need to take time to stop and and read them because they're cool. Yeah. And we have three more reviews to read. Do you want to read this? I, I would love to read them as soon as they load here. But uh, yeah, oh, okay. reviews reviews are a big thing because uh, they get us seen on the audio platforms and on uh, Google and all that stuff. So it's really helpful uh, whenever you guys leave reviews. We appreciate those. Um, let's see. I did the bottom three. I'll do the top three. Uh, okay. This is from Sunny. It's an isolating feeling when you have experienced something unexplainable or paranormal and have no one to talk to you about it without judgment. It almost labels you instantly as a weirdo or a devil worshiper. Some people who have had an experience start to question their sanity and disbelief um, that they witnessed an unexplainable paranormal event. Some of you may get it on the reg, <laughs> good reg, and embrace it. Uh, whether you're in denial or you get it, these guys are here to support you. They answer questions promptly. They are down to earth. And they are here if you need to hear someone tell you that you're not crazy. They believe you. I searched everywhere for an explanation and information on the paranormal experience I recently had uh, that scared the living hell out of me. The paranormalist team was the light in the dark. Oh, thanks, Sonny. Thanks, Sonny. Yeah, everybody, um, if you ever have an issue, like, feel free to open open up to us and, and hit us up. Uh, we've yeah. had a whole bunch of people do that and... Um, they were able to at least get some answers. Yes. Um, this is from Terry. Uh, Terry Haas. Yeah, Terry Haas. Okay. She's, I know her. All right. Uh, I was going to say, you would know how to say her last name. Uh, people are trying to prove what is real and what is not about the paranormal and helping pave the way to make it part of the normal. Something to think about. Good stuff. With Thanks, an exclamation Terry. point. Thank you. 
we got Kimberly J. Shaw, who I may or may not be related to through marriage. <laughs> well, honey, either way, thank you, Kim. I'm sure it'll be nice. Go ahead and read no, what they, you they, said. They were all one of uh, her and her brother and everything. They they listened to every episode like really? religiously. So, you know, I'm I'm shocked that someone in my own family is like all for it and not think I'm a weirdo. So my kids um, won't listen to the stuff because they said, why should we bother whenever we can just talk to you directly, mom? <laughs> exactly. But my daughter-in-law does. Okay. Yeah. Um, enjoyed listening to this podcast. Very interesting. We'll recommend to anyone who is interested in this topic. Thank you, Kimmy. Yes, thank you very much. And you know, we do try to do, do we try to do, try to do ghost stories we try to do educational stories and some of the things we've done recently i know we're kind of heavy and kind of hurt your brain a little but and i'm going to give you a little slack for a few weeks and then i'm coming back and like whacking at some more crazy oh, shit goodness. that i know oh thank goodness i felt like i was going to puke that last episode your heart I'm brain sorry. it's like oh my heart goodness it's amazing oh i still it still hurts and makes me feel lightheaded uh but yeah we do have I some don't... some of those episodes aren't uh haven't been available to most people because they're members only. So definitely check it out and see if it's worth your while uh, and see if five bucks is worth four extra episodes to you because we love yeah. putting them out and we give some of our best content over there. And I will tell you that I think of all the stuff that we have that's on the, pa- the Patreon, just the pa- Patreon site, the thing that I think is the, is the most interesting of all of that would be the, the near-death experiences, the negative one, because it changes the entire um, impact of the the whole process and what we, we think we know about that subject. Um, and this is, it's fascinating and it's fascinating because it was discovered by a the head of cardiology of one of the most prestigious uh, medical firms in Tennessee. And so it's coming from a medical man's perspective and his um, observations and the observations of other doctors and nurses. And so I think that you will be shocked if you, if you take the time to, you know, become a patron and and check out these episodes. This episode is going to definitely shock you. If you like creepy, weird, and strange, this is it. Yeah, two out of the four episodes are people, are you breaking my brain in half and then burning it? I'm sorry. And then putting it back as mush and ash. (laughs) Anyway, if that sounds cool to you, uh, be sure to check it out. So um, I think that's all for now. We got off track. We got back on track. We got off track. This has been one of those episodes, but uh, we hope you enjoyed it and uh, we'll catch you guys next time. Good night.